if you continue to get stronger and you apply more force, you're putting your you're putting the muscle more and more in an uncomfortable state where it has to say, shit, this is heavy again. I don't like this. I need to adapt in order to be able to sustain this performance. What's up, guys? Today we talk with Derek Oslin, 212 Pro, along with his training partner, Scott Stevenson. Now, this isn't your basic, like, how did you fall in love with bodybuilding and start training type podcast. We get into the nuts and bolts of how Derek has gained some incredible mass, especially over the past several years. And we talk about how those strategies have evolved, uh, even leading into this contest season. This is the kind of conversation that I think you guys can learn a lot from and possibly apply to your own training programs. If you guys enjoy the show, then do us a favor, hit the like button, leave us comments. Uh, all that stuff helps to boost us in the algorithm. And if you haven't subscribed, we'd love to have you along. We have several podcasts coming out each week. Check out our sponsor, True Nutrition. Check out our Patreon, everything else. Hope your training is going well, guys. Let's get to Derek and Scott. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Think Big Bodybuilding Media. I'm Scott McNally, and today it's my great pleasure to have with us, I'm just going to say, Weapon X. I've just, I wanted to yes. say that weapon X because yes. it sounds so badass. Oh. Derek Oslin, yes. IPB pro. And uh, we've got Scott Stevenson here too. So we were going to talk a bunch about training. Uh, and uh, what's kind of cool too is since Scott has been training with, I'm just going to refer to you as weapon X from now on. Sure. That's fair. <laughs> the, the weapon. That's fair. That's, there are other the weapons we can get to. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I got to show you. I got to show you guys the mask later. Okay, mask. We'll, we'll we'll get into it. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. It's part of the training. It's part of the training mystique. Okay. Yes. Okay. So to start us out, Sorry. yeah, we'll just we'll just break into some talk training. over the motorcycle. We'll just break into some training. Do you now? First of all, you guys are both in Tampa. Where are you training at? Because I know you have your own gym, right, Derek? Yeah. So that's where we've been training at. Uh, at Fam Tampa. Fam stands for Flex Appeal Miami. Um, Tampa location. The reason why we named it that instead of Flex Appeal Tampa is the acronym would have been FAT. So we wanted to kind of avoid that. So we were like, you know what, fam, we got it. We're just going to roll with it. Nice. Nice. So that means you can basically trade. Now, are you, are you, what are you doing there? Are you personal training people as well through the day? Or are you just hanging out managing the gym or what do you have going on? I'm just trying to picture like how your day comes together. Um, so, I mean, it, so me and my fiance, Anastasia, we both own and run the gym and we both also coach and train clients as well. So, um, I have my own client schedule that I adhere to. She has her own client schedule. Um, and we try to overlap it in a way that like when she has a break, she can come home and kind of hang out and rest or whatever. And then when I have a break or when I'm done for the day, so that, like, you know, we're, we're kind of a little bit opposite. Yeah. But um, we try to organize it in that fashion. Right on. So um, I if she some... doesn't have any morning clients, I'll open the gym so that way she can sleep in. Um, because she typically she typically opens the gym because she's the one that has five a.m. clients. My clients aren't that ambitious, so. <laughs> three thirty naturally. You what? Natural yeah, three thirty. Time is like three thirty. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. day. And she used to turn all the lights on and like just start making all kinds of noise. And I'm like, dude, I'm in prep too. Oh I'm like God. four weeks out. Shut everything off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, what, so that's pretty much how it works. What time of the day do you usually train at? 
Uh, usually midday, so like noon. Okay. Um, noon, twelve thirty, eleven uh, between eleven thirty and twelve thirty is usually our start time, and that works well for me because I get like two to three meals in by that time, and then I'm ready to go. That's what I was going to ask you because I've met some guys that are like, I only need one meal. And then other people, it's like they want to have four or five. I feel like that's a good spot for me. If I can have two or three meals in, plus I get it more fluid in, I feel like I'm going to be stronger. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I've done, I used to do the afternoon training. I've done the one meal thing before. The only time I only get one meal in is if I wake up late, but typically two to three meals. um, And then I'm off to the races. I'm a lot stronger. My performance is better that way. Right. Now, Scott, are you guys training together for every workout or how does that work? Yeah, we have been. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was out of February? town last week. Yeah, if how, how long? I mean, I'm trying to think. It was two, basically, like 14 weeks, something like that, close to, because we did almost yeah. the mountain dog training two times eight week stints. So yes. yeah, you're right. About you're right. Yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah, hmm. and this last week I've been trying to recover with all of my all the injuries that I self accumulated <laughs> that I brought on myself. Because I'm having too much fun training with, you know, guy like one third my age. Because mm. <laughs> I'm like 105 now. Stop um, it! <laughs> Bodybuilding years. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, it was pretty much every day. It was no just kidding. too much fun, you know. Yeah, we had a blast. That's cool. Oh, so, yeah. h- how long have you been mountain dog training for? For that time, for that amount of time. Oh, okay. So. Okay. But before that, um, I was following more. Uh, so I did my own training programming for the last like two to three years prior. And I was following more of the Jordan Peters approach. Um, so I'm a, a big fan, big, big fan of Jordan. And I actually, funny enough, I met Scott and Jordan at the same time at uh, the Arnold in 2017, because that was when um, John, John Meadows started Granite. And he had invited me out to help him uh, promote the company. And get you know he was just getting things started. So we were, we had a little table at the powerhouse in Columbus, and and I saw him with like a rainbow mohawk, and um, <laughs> and right. Jordan who was like full off season. I'm pretty sure he was over 300 pounds at that point, and I'd never seen a human being at my height that big. Like I was like, who the hell is this guy? So yeah. I so John introduced me to Scott, introduced me to him, and. Um, Jordan has been a both well both of them Scott and Jordan have both been uh friends and mentors to me pretty much since then and but I studied Jordan extensively and how he programmed I'm a member on his site and I learned as I learned a lot from him I've spoken to him at length um via Instagram yeah so that that was pretty much the basis um his training style was the basis of my programming up until John um I'm assuming you want to know why I brought John in. At that well, point. I'll get to that. Discussion. I'll get to that. Okay. I, I got a little, I got some background here. I've got some, uh, some research. All right. I will, let's follow the script. Let's follow right. the script. I got some research here. So 2018, you were 196 on stage at Tampa. 2000, wow, you're good. 2019. I know more than you. No, <laughs> oh, I know more about you than you. No. And then 2019. So that was 196 to 212 the following year. That's an incredible. Mm. No, I'm wrong. Almost. No. Almost. Almost. So in 20 um in 2018 I was around 198 to 200. 
okay. roughly. Uh, in 2019, I was actually, I did two shows, the Chicago Pro and the Tampa. Chicago, I was actually 195. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was I was 195, and then we tried a fuller look for the Tampa Pro, and I was 199. Okay, well, I blew it then. I blew it because I thought I was just a year off. (laughs) So so and then where where are you at now? You know, and then in 2020, the lowest I weighed was 210. Okay, that's where the jump was. I got you. Yeah. So 2019 to 2020 was the jump. Okay. So how did that happen? It sounds like that's from that's from the the training style that you adapted going into progressive overload. I'm that's my guess. I so what for one I lowered the volume that I was doing so instead of doing three to four working sets excuse me I only did two okay and I just had a hyper focus on being strong as shit I basically had made up my mind that I was going to be the strongest 212 competitor period that was my sole motivation hmm. going into every single session and I would go on I would go on um either on Jordan's site or on Instagram. And I would find all the guys that I knew had a reputation for being freakishly strong, like Jordan, like Dusty Hanshaw, like um, Nick Walker, these guys. Uh, I would watch what they would do in their sessions and I would try to match or beat it. Hmm. So that's literally what I would, what I did for, you know, a year, what is it, a year and a half. And that's how I got up to, that's how I completely erased that weight gap. That's crazy. Really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and it didn't require a lot of food either. <laughs> what was that? I was I was asking Scott. That sounded like something we talked about before here on when we did the muscle we do the Muscle Minds podcast. That progressive overload thing that you know seems yeah. to work sometimes if you really apply it. Yeah, I think that's incredible. Uh, how how did you adapt to that? Because I think one of the big things is if you're doing four sets per exercise you're doing like whatever Mm -hmm. 16 even sometimes some guys are doing 20 or more sets per workout how did you adapt to cutting that back uh really really well actually um my recovery was so much better i was able Uh, to um you know how you, you you know you have that one set that on on like your favorite movement and you get super amped up for it and you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna crush this shit I was able to kind of harness that and be able to do it throughout the entirety of the session. So like every single set that I went into, um, unless there's, you know, a more technical type of movement, like a, like a, like a barbell RDL, for example, I can't get super amped up about, I really have to be focused and locked in on my technique in order to get it right. Um, but like, if I'm doing a deadlift off the floor and I'm just going to rip it, then I can I can be able to kind of just get myself into that tune into that zone and I was able to do that throughout the entire session as opposed to you know doing three or four working sets you really can only do that one time hmm. and then that's really it um so at that so what ended up happening was and that's just obviously one component of it but what ended up happening is my performance skyrocketed my strength went like absolutely through the roof uh just as an example i think when i started that approach and started that off season after 2019 was after the 2019 season was done just um, pick a random exercise that sticks out of my head um incline hammer strength um for chest press i think my top set was four plates aside four and a quarter for like six to eight reps 
Um, by the end of that prep, I could do eight plates aside for three. That's incredible. You're kidding, man. That's crazy. From off season to the end of that contest prep, I was able to do actually. And that PR happened. That eight plate uh, aside PR happened five days out from the Tampa Pro. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that, but I, it was really mm-hmm. stupid. But the stars were just aligned perfectly that one particular day. I got under the weight and I felt it go up, and I was like, "Ooh, this is gonna move. I got. I have to do it." Yeah, and I yeah. just did it. No kidding. We got a question here. I want to throw this in. Maybe Scott has something for us on this. Jan, because we're talking about, you know, progressive overload. So why is it then that so many gurus keep telling us volume is the prime driver of hypertrophy? And he adds, I've made my best gains when I followed a low volume progressive overload style. Hmm. Well, first of all, I want to point out that this being this this being my first time on the podcast, I think it was really cool how you were able to just slide that comment Isn't over that all so nice professional? and smooth in the middle of the screen. This is so this is sweet. I love this. Because um, normally when I when I listen to the podcast, I listen to it in my car on oh. um, on Apple. Yeah, so yeah. I very rarely watch the videos. So I didn't even know this could happen. This is really cool. Well, um, welcome to the professional world of <laughs> internet podcasting. Welcome hey, to Scott's Scott. Scott, do you? <laughs> uh, Scott, you um, you want to? I, I have I have my own answer to this. Uh, do you want to give your take on this really quick? I could talk for hours on that topic. To be honest. Oh, listen, um, I, we know. Yeah, right. <laughs> that came me the big bucks. Um, well, because if you look across the research literature, there is a relationship between volume and the extent to which the muscle grows which, mm-hmm. you know, we just call hypertrophy. It could be hyperplasia as well. It's sort of a, we could just muscle size gains. But So that is there. And uh, it's a natural human tendency to want to make things sort of as simple as possible to compartmentalize and put things into a black and white scenario. So we say there's one driver of muscle growth and that's that. And yep. there's, so another reason it pops to mind is doing Excuse studies. Me. And this is actually demonstrated by the research that has lent some um, evidence to society that people do leave lots of reps in the tank. The reps in reserve that people estimate they have is much higher than, or much lower than the actual reps in reserve when they're pushed to a true <clears throat> failure point. Is that getting people to train as hard as what you're talking about training is uh, is going to be is gonna be very difficult, especially with beginners. Maybe not even safe necessarily. Right. So um, and progressive overload is going to like, and you've also got this ceiling effect with gains with beginners where they're going to just be making gains almost every time they do an exercise. So you don't yep. have to push the progressive overload. So that's a tough thing to test. Um, and then also there's the, the notion that we talked about this before on the muscle minds, Scott, is that some people do better with uh, a higher volume, maybe higher frequency or a lower vo- versus a lower volume, lower frequency approach. So there's tons of variability there that um, are, is going on literally in this particular study that I've mentioned several times where they, the initial finding was that frequency comparing two or three or five times a week made no difference in muscle growth. Whereas when they looked at the individual responses, um, and this was a study where they trained one leg one way and another leg the other way, they found some people did better. Yeah, they did. Some people did better with the lower frequency and lower volume in this case versus the upper and higher volume. Um, higher frequency, higher volume. And some people, the opposite was true. 
And there were people who grew well and people who didn't grow well. So there's this very um, heterogeneous response uh, spectrum, or literally it's a, it's a landscape of responses in terms of what would optimize growth in terms of frequency and volume of training. So it's scattered all over the place. And you only see that when you look at the individual responses in a study that was done like that when they took those individual data points and, and looked at the pattern left versus right leg in this case, high versus low volume, high versus low frequency. But generally you see that volume when it's greater on average for people across studies is, is something that is a determinant of growth. So ask this, I'll leave it. I'll, I'll stop with this. So um, who is, who is there, to, who is to say that progressive overload does not contribute to muscle growth. It's in, built into every single study. You read the method sections, that's what they do every single time. They don't just say, okay, we're going to go with, you know, 90% uh, of your 10 rep max and do, or 12 rep max and do 10 rep sets and just, so you're at 120 pounds, we're going to stick with 120 for the next three weeks, three months. They progressively overload them and test them repeatedly. So yep. testing to determine whether progressive overload would be the quote unquote driver of muscle growth it's just a given. Yeah. I mean, no one, no one, no one even like really questions that. So it's like, Oh, well we can uniquely say that volume is the driver of muscle growth um, or muscle hypertrophy um, because this research has kind of clearly delineated that, but it's obvious that progressive overload is important because it's done in every study. It's kind of like, you know, if you want to like the question that I addressed in the um, last couple podcasts on muscle minds was, to what extent eating with a large amount of excess calories can produce muscle growth. And those two studies that I talked about, one which is the foundational study kind of for the serial gains, that's a very hard thing to do. So that shows that that's an important driver of muscle growth. But in, in, or, in saying that that's the only driver and that other things don't matter is sort of as silly as saying like, well, what if we tested it if someone didn't eat anything? Like we just starve them. Like, of course, your subjects have to eat. They can't starve. Of course, you're going to progressive overload over the course of the training study. That's how you do it. Like, of course, they eat. That's how it goes if you want to stay alive during the course of the 12 week study. Yeah. So that testing whether progressive overload or muscle or volume of training is more important is a difficult phenomenon, and it's going to differ depending on the person. We know that from some of the research that looked looked at those individual responses. So the gurus say that because it's an important driver. And I think they, it's a nice sort of catchphrase, clickbaitish way to kind of say that changing your volume, increasing your volume over time is, uh, is a one way to ensure that your growth is going to, that may, may increase. That it's one thing you could possibly do. And there are, there's programming that's sort of based on that notion. So when you call it the right. driver, that, makes you think, well, that's in the driver's seat and that's all that matters, mm, yeah. but it's not. So that's, those are half a dozen reasons why it's, why it's said that way. I think I'm going to, I'm going to give my take on that really quick. Um, I, my belief, uh, have you read, uh, McNally, have you read Brad Schoenfeld's book, um, the science and development of muscular hypertrophy? No, I have not. Okay. Well, um, he talks about obviously the three mechanisms of, um, of hypertrophy, the two different types, myofibular, sarcoplasmic, blah, blah, blah. So mechanical tension, the force applied to a cross-sectional surface area of muscle. In my opinion, and, and I think in a lot of people's opinion, especially professional bodybuilders, people who look the way that 
people who are listen, probably listening to this podcast would like to look and strive to look like. Um, that is the main driver of hypertrophy. Progress, so that, that is progressive overload. The load that you are able to move for sets and reps increasing over time, because the load is what's providing the force on the muscle, is what's going to provide that novel stimulus. Now, gurus will say volume because volume is an easy way to provide a novel stimulus. Just add more sets. More is better. But if you really want to change, truly change your program or your the your um, change from session to session and efficiently provide a novel stimulus, just change the weight that you move. Your body doesn't know the difference between the extra set and the extra load. Hmm. If you continue to get stronger and you apply more force, you're putting your you're putting the muscle more and more in an uncomfortable state where it has to say, shit, this is heavy again. I don't like this. I need to adapt in order to be able to sustain this performance. And it sustain and it adapts to that increasing load by getting bigger and strong and um, bigger, more dense, more fibers, etc. Whereas with volume, if you're increasing the volume, and I'm just I'm just speaking kind of theoretically at this point, but um, when you're increasing volume, more than likely your endurance is going to go up. That isn't that because okay, if that if volume was the main driver of hypertrophy, then why isn't everyone doing six, six to eight sets of every single movement that they do in the gym? Right, that would that would be a logical solution. Let's not worry about the load at all. Let's just do the same weight. Let's just add three more sets to it. So instead of doing three sets, I'm going to do six or seven, and I'm going to grow. So are you going to if you do 40 pound bicep curls for three sets and you add three more sets of 30 pound bicep curls, are you going to get bigger, bigger arms? I think he's Scott, he's Probably. asking you, I think. Oh, he's asking me. <laughs> yeah, I thought, he, I I thought it was a yeah. rhetorical uh, bigger oh. arms. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is a, this is an interactive discussion. <laughs> I need you to participate, McNally. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so but it, it, just, you know. Yeah, if you, doubling if, that volume on that one exercise is not going to give you bigger biceps. Now, if you go from 40 pound bicep curls to 60 pound bicep curls over time, chances are your arms grew quite a bit. Yeah. And that and that's always that's been my thought process on it. Mechanical tension, main driver. Um okay, so in that case, what led you so you you obviously you found something that worked really well. And that's where I'll come yes. back to the mountain dog training. So what made you decide to uh, shift directions then uh, for this new, this next phase? So a couple things. One, I realized very quickly that the things I was able to do in the gym um, from a weight, from a moving weight standpoint, um, you know, obviously with um, good rep execution was, I don't, I, I don't want to sound like I'm like, boosting like talking myself up or stroking my ego but there i was doing pretty incredible things and i knew i was also getting to a point or i maybe would get to a point pretty soon that what i was doing from a weight standpoint may exceed my skeletal structure and connective tissues ability to actually handle it mm, yeah okay. you know right so the risk risk management is basically where i was thinking um on top of the fact that i'm like okay i don't know my, my strength is still going up. I don't know how much more this is going to happen. <laughs> um, and I'm look and I'm looking at my physique. So I'm looking at my, um, you know, my 2020 season physique and my Olympia physique. And I'm like, okay, 
I need to be more dense. What is the next step that I need to take? Do I continue on the road that I'm at and just try to get more plates on everything, which I'm already maxing out and having to put custom made gym pin extenders on everything? Or do I try to find another way? So I came up with a solution after doing a bunch of reading and research and talking to people and getting opinions was um, that conclusion that I came to is volume was probably the next step. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. So what, so to kind of reiterating the question that was asked, volume was the step that the, the next logical step for me in my head. Once I had come to the conclusion that maybe I'm starting, I'm getting close to my max out in strength output. So I wanted to be able to, I didn't trust myself to program higher volume Hmm. um, effectively because it's for me. And I know how I am. I only know two gears, zero, a hundred. That's it. (laughs) So I would have, so if I had done it myself, I would have been like, all right, well, I'm doing two, I'm doing two working sets per movement. Sometimes one, just, just one balls out set. I'm just going to do three to four working sets for everything right now and just go. And I would have been burnt out before I even hit a calorie deficit. So that's where John came in. And I, I already had a rapport with him because I did mountain dog training when I won my pro card in 2016. So, um, and then, you know, obviously helping him with grant and all of that, you know, we already had a connection. So it was really easy for me to reach out to him and say, Hey, what do you think? Can you help me? And then he wrote the program and that's, and then I, saw it through to the to the entirety of the prep right on with right. with with uh dr scott and what do you think what, what what have you thought about this this phase compared to your training previous what would you say what would you say you've you've gotten out of this what's been the challenge let me ask you that what's been the challenge with this the recovery from the higher volume hmm. um it was really good when i had enough food <laughs> um <laughs> And then once the food started getting low, I would, you, you, um, you can ask uh, Scott as well, I'd, I would get like halfway through the session and then I would just bottom out, just completely mm. tank. And I, I, was, I was worthless and just running on fumes and willpower. And it took him and our other training partner, Jared, to kind of like really like pull the leash on me and just drag me through the, through the, the rest of the session. Um, whereas with the lower volume, I was able to sustain a really high performance pretty much from beginning to end of the session, even when I was in a severe deficit and, um, and close to the show. Um, my, my endurance definitely, again, while I, when I had enough food, my endurance definitely went up in terms of my ability to sustain a higher performance with those extra sets. Now the negative, uh, cause I've, I've actually given this a lot of thought. Um, I felt like I I definitely felt like I overtrained the last month and a half. Mm. And I, I think I, because I was so focused on trying to maintain my performance and hit all of these sets um, every single time, I, I felt like my muscle didn't have, I don't know what the proper term is. I felt like I had more volume, fullness, roundness to my muscle um, last year than towards the end of this year and 
I've never gone hypo during cardio so more more times than I did during this prep. I would Scott can tell you he would, he would be talking to me on the stairs and just coming up with different conversation topics right. just to keep my that. attention off the stairmaster and keep me awake because I would nod out on the stairmaster and like um a couple of times I almost fell off of it because wow. I was just like just so and that was a problem I really didn't have last year. Okay, so I definitely oh, think I was it. overtrained. I'll add this too, is that um, John, John was kind of just helping, helping out just very, very graciously with the training. So he sent, I think it was kind of a modified version of one of his training plans that was yeah. set up just for someone w- could use during the off season. He wasn't checking in yeah. with Derek on a regular basis. He was following along, of course, on Instagram, that sort of thing. But those modifications yeah. that would have and could have, um, prevented some of the things Derek just talked about in the last four six weeks are things I talked to John on the phone with, but he wasn't you know formally training um, Derek. So we just had the plan, and we literally followed the same eight week cycle during that we did when he was full blown off season with okay. plenty of food. Yeah, and he repeated yep. it without. We changed a little bit near the end, but in retrospect, it sounds like we could have changed it earlier. And I'm sure yeah. John, with that kind of feedback, would have adjusted things. So this isn't. It's not a failing of mountain dog training in any way. Shape, no, not at all. If not John all. had been been there, like these adjustments would have been made. And and just so folks know, because I, I this because this I don't know how many times this has happened. We're just training partners. Like I was just there because I want I wanted to train with him, you know. And and Derek has a coach in uh, Will, a nutrition coach in Will, and John yeah, was running the training with yeah, and John was running the training. And I'm there just to be the fellow meathead, like, you know, trying to pick heavy shit up, you know, yeah, yeah. and have fun. So it wasn't my role to intercede in any of that, you know, except that I did, you know, I think, I don't know if it was to call John. I ended up talking to John on the phone. We do that every once in a while, just catch up. And I asked about, you know, training and adjusting things in the last three or four weeks. But so it wasn't as if I was guiding the training because Derek guides his own training and we had John's sort of layer in there. So Derek's the training guy. Will is the diet guy and John was given the training structure and I'm just the meathead who's helping, you know, <laughs> screaming at him and he's screaming at me and we're just having fun. So, um, that was, that oh, was why, like, why did Scott not change things? Cause this is oh. not like we're just rolling together. Yeah. So yeah. my, my role there was just as a, just a fellow bodybuilder. I mean, I tell people because we, we mentioned before we started recording, I think I've got a thing going on with my leg, which, um, could have probably been averted if I trained differently. I've had this issue on and off, but I just wanted to train. I just yeah. like, this was my opportunity. This is my opportunity to train with a world-class maximally motivated athlete. Who's a hell of a guy and a friend of mine. So yeah. I just, I just like, wh- why would I, you know, pass that up? Like I, I'm a bodybuilding yeah. fan and a bodybuilder first and foremost. You were a bodybuilding so, nerd. An OG bodybuilding nerd. So yeah, how I, could you not? I'd be so. the same way. I'd be so. I'd be limping right along with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's why my nickname is El Gimpo, like or El Limpo. It's because I've got a bad leg, but I just we you Derek was there. I bucked up and just kind of figured out a way to make it work. And I think yep. I probably was able to do ninety five percent of the things. You know, every once in a while there was just an exercise that wasn't happening. Um, but yeah. otherwise, yeah, we had fun. So that was that was why you know, so we live and learn from this kind of stuff. So next time, like if, if this, if we're in this situation again, I'm, I might say, I'm like, Hey, you know, let's pull back a little bit, Yeah. you know? And, 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 and then I think he, I would be basically telling Derek what he already knows 
not yeah. anything new. And then, you know, you're, you get a better outcome. The, the next that was around. another that, that was another that was another role that Scott uh, played as well was being my brake pedal. Hmm. Um, I don't need a gas pedal. I'm very good <laughs> at that. Uh, all by myself, I will stay in seventh gear the entire time, even when I'm not supposed to. Scott was is the one that is was at least was supposed to be keeping me from doing dumb shit towards the end of prep. <laughs> Every so often, most of the time he'd stop me. A few times he'd be like, "Nah, just do it." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Screw the RPE scale. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> just go. Yeah, just I mean, I like you know, I, I, my my philosophy, and and we did do this near the end, but my philosophy is maintain the quality of the effort. So if you got to go yeah. from five to even one set, that would be an extreme drop in volume. But if you can keep the loads you're using at the beginning. All the way through, even if it's just one set, you're going to keep the muscle pretty damn well. Now, your yes. energy expenditure might suffer. You have to adjust some other things. But as long as you can do that. So I'm all for maintaining and just pushing the pedal to the metal in the gym all the way through. So it was just hard for me not to project my desires onto Derek and yeah. say, fucking do it, man. Go for it. But mm-hmm. um, at the end there, there was a couple times because I wasn't dieting. I'm just like, you know, going along and I felt yeah, guilty. He was eating there couple- 200 grams of carbs from cereal <laughs> five times a day. Bastard. Yeah. I'm nailing all this cereal and I was continuing on some of the lifts to go up. And, and there was stuff where like I felt I felt I was happy to have the fun that I was having. But I I wasn't eating cereal in front of Derek, but I was lifting heavy shit in front of Derek that he wanted to do. And he's like, I want to play. I want to play. He must have said that 10 or 12 times in the last month because he's like, man, I want to like he wanted to get on there and do that. But that was not how John had suggested we bring things back. Uh, so. Right. So I was sort of the I was a I guess a probably a C plus break puddle, maybe something like that. You know? <laughs> no, I'll give you a B. I'll give you a B minus. I'll give you a B minus. OK. All right. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. We have a few questions here, but I have before we get to that, I have one more. So. Sure. Moving forward, what's the game plan from here? You know, we you, you had just competed and now you you're, you're talking about kind of like the things you've learned through this prep. Are you still dieting? Is there going to be another show this season? Are you wrapping it up? What are we thinking? I am full steam ahead. My only goal is to get back to the Olympia period. The end. Nice. So whether that's on whether that's on points or whether that is on um, or if I'm able to pull out a win, obviously, um, I'm doing whatever the hell it takes. So. Uh, I haven't even said this on social media, so oh, uh, th- 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 this will be the this will be the the big reveal. I'll drop a okay. clip in here, like a little like music, uh, you know, some type of dramatic. Sound oh effect. no! Can, oh, can you throw can you throw that horn that you use with uh, with Skip? <laughs> oh, I want the horn. Hold on a second. I can actually do that on the fly right now. Where is the horn? Uh, DJ Airhorn. Here it is. We're gonna hear now from Weapon X his plans for 2021. Ah, yes i love it that was awesome um all right so (laughs) that that was great um so chicago pro is the next move nice um that is a little less than nine weeks out so okay so basically i i did the indie i got ninth um had a hell of a turnaround in one week um dropped six pounds six and a half um, to go into New York, ended up in the first call out, got fourth. Um, so a little bit of redemption there. And so after that, I took, um, I don't want to say I took a week off because I technically didn't. I still trained um, 
you know, I, I lowered the volume. I went, I'm kind of back into the whole, um, I guess, JP approach, but I'm taking a lot of the things that I learned from the mountain dog program hmm. and incorporating it into like the, like the intensity techniques, um, managing RPE, which are two important things that I really, really learned, um, how to do better. So those type of things I'm incorporating into what I was already doing beforehand. Yeah. Um, and then, so I, uh, I got my reverse diet and I was on top of that, but like, you know, maybe like a meal a day or something like that. Like, yeah, pretty much one meal a day. Like if I wanted to have something, like I would just get it. Like I, if I wanted pasta, I'd just go have it or, you know, whatever the case may be. So this week, oh, it was, listen, it was glorious. <laughs> let me tell you. Oh, I, I, I felt so good last week. It was so good to feel a pump again during my training. Yeah. I don't. I hadn't felt a pump in the last literally two months of prep, Ugh. so it was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, so I'm back on the diet 100 this week. I'm. At, I actually dropped. I was too. <laughs> don't get mad at me. Uh, I was two thirty two Sunday morning. Woo! And <laughs> it doesn't. T- it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. I I grow super. Like if I just if I just cut the reins off and yeah. just let my body do its thing, I could I could be two fifty in the next couple months easily. Yeah. Um, well, people should but, understand um, too. Like listeners should understand this is what a what a two twelve competitor is. It's not you're not walking around at two twelve. You know, correct, correct. <laughs> so um, I'm already back down to two twenty two okay. from Sunday to today. So and that's just from cutting all the crap out. So now we're kind of reversing a little bit for a few weeks. I think he's he might ramp up the clean calories at mm-hmm. least one more time, and then you know we're really gonna we're really gonna hit it hard unless I'm because res- unless I continue to respond like this because I'm eating a good amount of food, um, all things considered, and to have my weight dropping the way it is is a really cool thing. So Chicago, so come back to your question, uh, Chicago. If I don't win there, two weeks later is the Tampa Pro. Yes. And then if I, again, don't manage to win there, then the last show of the season would be the Texas Pro. So in my head. One week after that. Yeah. So in my head, I am mentally prepared. Excuse me. I'm mentally prepared to do all three if I have to in order to qualify for the Olympia. If it means I have to get in on points, I'm going to do that. Um, if I end up having enough point, you know, if I, if it's a point thing and I end up having enough points after Tampa, for instance, then cool. I'd probably do Tampa pro anyway, just cause it's literally right down the street. Yeah. Like it's 12 minutes from my house. So you could walk super- there. You could literally walk to the Tampa pro and compete. I don't know if I recommend I could. it, but I don't, I was, I was going to say I could, I would, I Scott, however, you might want to take my skateboard. Yeah. You got your skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> you take your skateboard. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the plan. And, and, and as far as the training, I'm, I'm kind of reverting back to it, my performance, which is, um, I was able to maintain a higher performance. And I just think that the lower volume approach just worked better. It just worked a little bit better for me. I felt like I responded a little bit differently. Um, so that I'm going to kind of lean back towards that. Right on. Right on. Well, I look forward to seeing what happens. I mean, this is, sounds like it'll be uh, it could be a really fun uh, few weeks coming up here between all the shows that you could potentially be in. Oh, so yeah. I'm sure, you know, all of our viewers and stuff, they've been following along with what you're doing. So if you guys are there, 
do me a favor, like scream out Weapon X. Don't even call him Derek. Just say Weapon X. Because that's my And get an show. air horn for when you say it. Yes, exactly. I need to hear a lot of air horns. So we do have some you, couple questions. An air horn, I wonder. Like, would, would they throw you out with an air horn at one of these shows? They had one at New York Pro. Somebody had an I, air horn. I heard you heard that. that? Yeah, I heard it on the video. I didn't hear it when I was there, though. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, huh. it was. I think it was for. Was it for Nick Walker or? I can't remember. Oh, I just maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If anyway, I was there yeah, with it, I, yeah. I guess they wouldn't care. If it's New York, like they're going to do the whatever they want to. But otherwise, <laughs> that would be loud as hell in inside. Yes. The venue, I would think. All right. So we got a couple of listener listener questions here. Uh two for Weapon X and one for serial. We have a uh one for Professor Serial Gains Nation. Serial Gains, yes. Oh yes. End, baby. All right. So uh what did this is from Brandon DeCruz, by the way. Um, what did you learn so far from training with Dr. Scott? Would love to hear um, about what new info and strategies he's been able to apply to your training, nutrition, and approach to prep as a result of being around Scott on a daily basis. So he's not even, we already covered the, the not coaching part, but just, just the immersion of being around Scott. So from a, from a, from a, from a direct application approach in terms of the training, um, the with the the addition of all the intensity techniques that we utilize one big thing that i learned from scott is how it's really a skill set of when you get to that that intensity technique so if we're talking about like an iso hold or um partials or whatever how to extend that set longer than you really think you can hmm. and it to i guess to give a simple answer it would it kind of involves going into almost a meditative state. I like you're I'm it's a switch that I just kind of had to flip on and off. So like when I'm doing the actual full range of motion reps, I'm completely amped up, turned all the way up. I'm I'm going I'm I'm going for broke and then we get to the partials or the hold, you it almost I don't want to say it looks like I'm falling asleep or or anything like that, but I'll literally just close my eyes, my entire facial expression will change and I'm just calm and i almost go into this zen state where like i could probably do these partials or that hold for i feel like i could do it forever whereas if i'm like gritting and i'm making all kinds of noise i found that i couldn't hold that intensity technique as long huh okay so flipping that switch and just being a little bit calmer during that part of the set um made me more efficient at executing those uh, intensity techniques. Um, and then it's, I'm very animated and very aggressive when it comes to my sets more than pretty much anybody that trains at my gym. So it was very refreshing to have someone there who is just as crazy as I am <laughs> and, and would yell, yell obscenities and the like at, um, at an animate round objects with the number 45 on them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, baby. That's what it's about. So, yeah. um, <laughs> come on, motherfucker. Who's your daddy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, <laughs> Or I, or I look at the weight and be like, gravity's my bitch. Like, uh, <laughs> so I would just, 
and and in fact, the first day that we trained together was legs, and um, right. he walked in and he goes, uh, he goes, Derek, you know I'm gonna dominate your ass today, right? And I was like, not if I, and I was like, not if I make you my bitch first. That's what, that's oh. pretty much how we started. Yeah. That's how we started, right? <laughs> that was the f- first words that we exchanged at the beginning of the training session. And that right. pretty much was the mood for every single session that we did. So nice. having yeah. someone just w- that could match my intensity level was extremely, extremely refreshing. I didn't have to be the one that brought it all the way up like that. I kind of yeah. had help. So yeah. that was really cool. That oh, and cool. he has great jokes. <laughs> yeah, so, they're awesome. Like we're, we're talking like Vegas is calling me on a daily basis. Bring your act out. You'll make millions. In nobody's world. All right. Now, I'm not sure what this one means, but I I think you guys do. Are cashews anabolic? And uh, if you could, how would you include them in your prep? What's up with this? All right. All right. So I did a post um, not too long ago. Um, It's a pretty it's a pretty long one, uh, McNally. So you'll you'll have to hunker down to read it. But basically, I was talking about. I was talking about um, managing your uh, mental and emotional health during a prep and how during this prep, I had um, one specific key moment that really kind of got the best of me. Um, You know, I was doing a lot of cardio. I was eating very little food. Um, I felt like absolute dog shit all the time. I was, I was going hypo pretty frequently during um, both of my car, my daily cardio sessions. And, I was there was this period of time where I was just watching the scale slowly go up and mm-hmm. further and further away from that 212 mark and it just led to a lot of frustration on my part and my I let my emotions get the better of me which led to me making uh, a few very key mistakes hmm. um one uh was in response to one of those hypo episodes cuz it happened And it carried over into my car ride home. And I was like, I'm not going to make it home. I need to do something. And like my hunger was through the roof. I was agitated. Like there was a lot of things happening at the same time. And then next thing I knew, I, so I went to CVS to go get um, like a, a diet beverage, like a diet soda or something just to like give me something to like make me feel better. And the next thing I knew, I really love cashews and I can't really have them in the house when I'm in prep because I will eat a whole jar of them. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. I bought a jar of cashews and I just, I, I was like, let me, I'll just take a one or two handfuls. It'll, you know, there's, there's some carbs in there and it's salty and crunchy and I'll, it'll just make me feel good because I'm really pissed off right now at feeling like shit and watching my weight not cooperate. And then next thing I knew the whole jar was gone. Mm. So I talked about that in the post plus I was like, my weight's not going down. You know what? I'm just going to cut all my food. I didn't even tell, I didn't even tell, uh, Will found out eventually, but I didn't tell him that I did this. I cut all my food in half. I was eating like three ounces of tilapia and like five asparagus stocks every meal for like days. Just trying to like, and like, I I was barely drinking water. Like (laughs) I I was drinking like three quarters of a gallon of water on a good day. And I was sweating out probably a gallon and a half. So that was uh, almost a prep fatal mistake because obviously I'm dehydrated yeah. and I'm not giving my body the water that it needs. So it was holding. So the thing that I was trying to prevent, 
I was actually exacerbating more and more. So, um, so that was the post that I did, and that's where the whole cashew thing um, came in. Cashews are great; they're just amazing. not uh, just not two thousand calories of it all at one sitting. <laughs> Maybe about, like uh, twenty grams. How about like cashew butter? Are you a fan? You ever had? Like, oh, oh yeah, that's amazing. Oh man, I, I love it, but I like the cashews better just because I like the texture and the saltiness. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, a, and I usually don't crave it until like the. I usually don't crave cashews at all until like the last like four weeks of prep when it's really hard. Yeah. yeah. So um, normally I don't have that issue, but this, but I, I was just, I was just in a not in a good place emotionally, and I just kind of, it just kind of got the best of me. Right on, right on. All right, I got one more here, and this one is for the uh, the professor of cereal. Look at that. We did it again. Brought oh, it my right God. In. Is that a senior dissertation? <laughs> this is Jeremy Jason. He Now, right. I got to give him another shout-out because he looked fantastic. How's it going, Jeremy? He followed Scott's book, and he got his natural pro, pro card just a couple weeks ago. So uh, shout-out to oh, him. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations, Jeremy. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, he was Absolute shredded. Dice. Uh, yep. okay. oh, I'm check out his profile. All right. Uh, cinnamon rice checks is my jam. It's my favorite to skip load on, and it's my go-to for glycogen loading before a show. In my mind, I figured a rice-based cereal would be superior to sources over to uh, be a superior source over wheat, oat, or corn-based cereals. Am I splitting hairs here? Uh, it just really, uh, I just really think that rice cereals would trump over the others. What are are your thoughts? Thanks, fellas. Can I, can I say, can I say something? You're our guest. I I want this. Uh, (laughs) Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm confused as to what skip load is. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah. Also known as Ken loading. How about that? Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's Skip's method of uh, skip loading, and basically, Dieting yeah, and loading for a show. Yeah, yeah, where you eat okay. for a period of time. It's a yeah, it's a it's a a technique. That's that's the short okay, answer. But it, but it's unique. But it's unique to to Ken to skip. All right, got it. The, the thing that's so um, crazy. I just gotta give Ken kudos on this before you go because that's precedes your answer. Is that Ken has been doing using skip loading this refeeding technique? That's a it's a cyclical diet with with periodic refeeds, like a one day refeed that he adjusts for mm-hmm. literally decades now, yeah. and it works phenomenally well yeah. for so like almost basically all of his clients. And it's crazy because the nuances of this type of dieting are just sort of barely kind of. The science is just sort of scratching the surface. And Ken's been doing this shit for like 20 years. Hmm. And it's like, ooh, did this oh, yeah. work? Does it not work? How, what, you know, is it, what's it doing to leptin? What's it doing to thyroid metabolism, et cetera, et cetera. And Ken's been like perfecting this shit. And it's just so, it's sort of funny. Like that's a one, ex- that's like one of the most clear cut examples of where in the trenches stuff is just like eons ahead, literally decades ahead of what the science is starting to figure out. And Ken's yep. got this down, man. So anyway. Yes, your answer to the cereal. All right. So, and just for everyone listening, what what I'm about to say doesn't necessarily mean that Dr. Scott or McNally will agree. This is just this is just my opinion, and honestly, I hope you guys don't agree because that makes this much more fun. I'll try not to. Uh, um, I'll go out of my way. Yes, debate me, damn it. Um, (laughs) uh, So, 
uh, rice versus, so I think one of the things he talked about was rice versus the wheat, the corn, and there was a third, there was a third one. I forget what oh. it is. I think he said oats or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Um, Material, yeah. I do. I think the overarching um, concept of importance that you want to focus on is your digestion, right? So what is most easily digestible in your specific GI tract? So if rice cereal happens to be the thing that doesn't bother you at all and you feel the greatest after you eat it, then that's the thing that you eat. If it's not the rice cereal, but it's the corn-based cereal, then that's the one that you focus on. Um, if they all digest really well, then my personal opinion is if you are an off season and a calorie surplus and your goal is just to get those calories in and hit those macros, which one you pick, I don't think really matters. If you're in a contest prep, it's probably better to stick with the rice based cereal just because, um, as you progress through a contest prep, you are more likely to encounter digestive issues. And typically across the board, rice based stuff will digest a lot easier than, all the other categories that you that you gave so that that's just my opinion on that if you're in a calorie surplus i think you might be just i think you are splitting hairs a little bit i don't think it matters as much but um yeah man digestibility that's that's really the ultimate thing that matters if if, it, if you feel good after you eat it and you're getting the results that you want stick with it scott scott you want scott you want to debate him First, I don't really have anything. I mean, I could say I oh. could make something up and be like, actually, oats are proven to be far superior to rice. On uh, nine out of ten studies, uh, right? I, I got nothing. I, I would say you're talking ad for Trident chewing gum, or nine out of fortified dentists approved. Yeah, I, I I would say this. I would say the number one thing is, especially going into a show, is don't change anything. You know, so that if the yes. rice was working then don't switch yes. from that. But I, I don't really, I try to stay away in general from wheat-based products. I I, mm -hmm. I find I would rather just eliminate that if possible um, moving into a contest. So I, I would prefer out of all that stuff, I would think it would probably digest the most easily too. If another one was oat-based, that's going to be what, a fermentable fiber, right? And I yep. could see potentially people having more issues with that than rice. So process of elimination, I think that the I also agree. Uh, so I don't, I don't I don't have an argument, but I do I do have <laughs> but I do have an air horn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything to say after the air horn. Like that's just all my points are null and moot. You know, there's no point in even responding. Well, um, I, I actually have a bunch of things to say that, but. Um, it sounds like he's been practicing with the skip loading if he's dieting down that way. Yes. So that's a good choice, mm -hmm. obviously, for a, a glycogen load before a show. Um, I've got a, a, a study that I present in my um, Why You Don't Look Like a Pro presentation that looks at variability in glycemic responses um, on, on an individual basis, and they compare maltodextrin and white bread. And for some people, there's a higher, higher glycemic response, a greater peak glucose after a standardized glucose amount for one source versus the other. It's all over the place. And sometimes the curves aren't perfect, like the glucose comes up and it comes back down. The glucose responses mm -hmm. are just some of them are, are wavy one with one food source and not so with the other. So there's so much biological individuality there. It's crazy. Hmm. One of the things, if you're in a, in a jam in terms of, pardon the pun, if you're trying to get glycogen loaded as fast as possible, 
you'd want high glycemic response and a high insulin index. After like yes. most of the studies, this is mainly with um, endurance training, with glycogen repletion, if you're really, really low, it doesn't matter, you know, after the six or eight hours, pretty much, what kind of carbs you're taking in. Um, because, but it, when you're looking for like maybe one or two meals or rapid glycogen loading, like if, if not that he would probably do this, but if let's say you wanted to load up quickly right before a show, like you weighed in and you want to use cereal as one of your quick glycogen loading, um, sources, then the one with the highest glycemic index and highest insulin index is going to be your best shot. If funny enough, look up frosted flakes. It's on a lot of the glycemic index lists and it's like, a I was going to say crunch berries. Yeah, crunch berries. I don't know, but frosted flakes, wheat, wheat based. It's, a, it's like sixty-five. Huh? And my guess is that that's wow. maybe from the high fructose corn syrup that they use mm. just to spray on there. Like you can see, like the white, all that white, like you know, stuff. That's yeah, the shininess. Part. That's a good. Yeah, yeah that's, I think that's high fructose corn syrup. You know, in powdered form. So that's one thing to look at, but you have to measure it for yourself. And yeah, what you, Derek, what you said about the the gut, like holds true. Absolutely, for sure, no matter what. Um, so, like what Scott, you said, same thing about you know the the. Um, it's funny, like cereals were like say like you know oat based cereal, but if you look the cereal or you, if you dig into it, doesn't really mean that like whatever the 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 flake is or the piece is is entirely made from oats. Hmm. Like like they're like I, there's one there's a couple I make fun of these when I do the cereal gains names cereal gains nation posts is like you'll see like say that with three oat times. clusters. Yeah, it's your Gains Nation post with oat clusters and it like contains real oats. And like if you look in there, it's like it's like it's like wheat flakes mm. with these little itty bitty like oat clusters. It's like, is that oat based? Like how much oats are actually in there? Yeah. So it's the it's last ingredient line. <laughs> yeah, to the very end, you know. So but um the, I, one thing that always pops in my head, it's kind of a totally kind of um extraneous thought almost to the Western scientific thought, is that in Chinese medicine and this makes sense that you see this in Eastern cultures, rice is, is in the world of, of food, nutrition, nutritional therapy or food as basically medicine in Chinese medicine, rice actually tonifies the energy of your digestive system. Hmm. So it's, it's a really good choice as far as carbs tonifies the spleen chi in, in those terms. Tonifies. So what does rice, that mean? Spleen chi? No, tone, so tonify. To make stronger, to increase. Oh, Okay. Yeah, huh. so it helps. It, it energizes the digestive organs in Chinese medicine. So it's a, it's a really good one. If someone's having like all the symptoms of spleen sheet deficiency, rice would be a food that you might have them eat. Huh, okay. But, but eating like a lot of sweet stuff, overly sweet stuff, which is what cereal <laughs> tends to be, can actually deplete your spleen in Chinese medicine. But rice is a good one. So rice, cereal, like just – like where's it at? Oh, I think I put it away. I had a box of Rice Krispies right here for a little while. It's right next to you on the floor. Just you know, in case. You never know. Like, it's a worst case scenario. I want to have a box of cereal around. I guess I need to make a run for it, you know? Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so rice, if rice, oh. if rice is a really high glycemic food generally. So that's a really good choice. But um, it's so much of it comes down like that whole, that whole slide with that study is, that's why so many people have so many different experiences when they're carving up with, you know, I got to do sweet potatoes or I can't do sweet potatoes yeah. or I got to use rice or pancakes or I got to eat something really shitty like a really, you know, shitload style food. It's really quite, 
quite uh, amusing, you know, because it makes total sense. The research is there substantiating that idea that people have totally different responses in terms of the glycemic response. And it's based on the food, probably their pancreas health. The microbiome plays a big role in that as well, um, a large, gigantic role. And that's a function of what you've been eating up until the point when they have a, a test meal, at least in the in the studies. So anyway, it's a good question. But if it's work, if it ain't broke, like Ronnie said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, it kind of comes down to that. So if it's working yeah, for you. Yeah, buddy. All right. Well, we are our first. Yeah. Real, 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 real quick. So you mentioned the wheat thing um, in terms of digestibility and wanting to kind of stay away from it when you get into a contest prep. I think the reason why people have an issue with that is so I've, I've read a couple studies that show that uh, many people lack the wheat receptor that is responsible for the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Scott, don't make me laugh. I'm trying, I'm trying to be serious. Right, we I'll we had this joke. We, we, <laughs> we had we had this joke. Uh, we were doing an IG live, and uh, I was talking about how much I love spaghetti. And yeah. someone and um and how I look like if I have a cheat meal and I have uh, I have pasta, how good I look after the cheat meal, especially if it's a post workout meal. Yeah. And someone asked, so what was the question? Is spaghetti um it's just a spaghetti um, anabolic? How effective? Like... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. spaghetti anabolic. How effective is it at building muscle? So we came up with this whole um, this whole concept and idea of the spaghetti receptor and how <laughs> most the reason why most people don't respond well to pasta is because they don't have a spaghetti receptor, which is only prevalent mainly in Italian people. Yeah, that so, makes sense. So they gravitated toward it. That makes total sense. So what happens if you are not Italian you, and you don't possess the spaghetti receptor and you eat spaghetti, what happens is there's a, there's a, there's a gremlin, an obesity gremlin that f- falls out of a tree and attacks you and makes you fat. So that's pretty much how that works. Watch out for the obesity gremlin. All right. Well, we got some science in here, too, apparently. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. This is, this is the kind of science that Dave Crossland would approve of, I think. Yeah. Sometimes you got crazy, crazy shit on there, which I love. Oh, yeah. Well, our 30-minute interview has gone about an hour long now. So thank you for hanging out for all this additional time. We appreciate it. Shout out to your yes, sponsor. You Shout out to you. Guys, he's sponsored by True Nutrition. You see the shirt? True Nutrition. Yeah. I, I, oh, I went out of my way to not wear the shirt because I was like, I bet he's going to wear the shirt. I love that shirt, man. That's the coolest logo. Oh, yeah, what do you the, got there, the, Scott? Um, the Metallica theme. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. my that's my uh my coaching brand. That's classy. So, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weapon X Athletics. So that is the the I guess company, uh LLC, lack of better terms, um, for you know, my whole my whole team, my whole Hell team yeah. of athletes. So what uh, legal entity. What are you using from True Nutrition right now? Oh man. Um <sighs> I I literally just used the True MD's uh, GDA like right before we got on the pod uh, right before we got on on the podcast so I could um, with my meal but um I would say my favorite products right because I'm using like the 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 alpha lipoic acid I'm using the um, the L carnitine tablets I'm using the L arginine I got the glycerol monosterate nice. uh, I have the creatine I have all that stuff but I I would say my my favorite favorite products are the powdered muscle. And the true EAA plus. So the powdered muscle for those um, um, that are curious and want to know, it's th- it's an intra it's an intra supplement 
Um, it's 35 grams of carbs and 11 grams of protein per scoop. And I usually use two uh, for when I train. And then I'll add the True EAA Plus to it, which has 10 or 11 grams of um, essential amino acids. And it also has a performance blend. It has citrulline malate. Um, I believe it has glutamine in it. It has beetroot powder and a bunch of other stuff for um, uh, performance, vasodilation, et cetera. Um, those are my two favorite products. I love the, the two of them. And they're both fruit punch, so they mix very well. Yeah. Um, you do have to use a lot of water. Um, so it, it'll, it'll definitely force you to stay hydrated yeah. because the, the powder is very dense. So if you're not using enough fluid, i.e. probably a minimum of like 40 ounces, it'll, it, it, it does, it might like chalk up on you a little bit, but the taste is phenomenal. And I have had the greatest performance on those products, even when I was in a, in a um, in a deficit. That's great, so, man. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. And, and I have the J flex as well. Oh yeah. I've been, <laughs> I've been using that since I had torn my shoulder, which was like last I can't even remember now, eight, 10 months ago. It's a great product. I, I like that. I actually got the J flex because of you <laughs> You're McNally, kidding. because I was, yeah. Cause I was listening to, um, I was listening to one of the muscle minds episodes a few months ago when you were talking about how you had had an injury and you had been using the J flex for about two months. Um, and you were able to do after those two months, you, there were a bunch of movements that you were able to do like pressing movements that you were unable to do prior to using that product. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting back into it, thankfully. So yeah. What about now if uh if people want to follow you, of course everybody's plug. Yeah, yeah. That's important. I think should we talk about the new Weapon X line that True is coming out, the, the oh. pasta power line? You're kidding me. <laughs> the pasta, pasta power. power. Oh my You're god, here we go. Yeah. yeah, the spaghetti fuel is gonna be a carb powder that's gonna come out. I think the first two flavors are gonna be tomato basil and then oregano, something like that. Are those I didn't even know about this. I know what he's going to do. Yeah, we're going to, and we're going to come out with a bar. It's just going to be dry. It's just going to be dry (laughs) uncooked spaghetti wrapped in a rectangle. Right. (laughs) No jerky. Oh, yes. Keep an eye out for those products, um, guys. We are. No, we are. Um, we are coming out with, uh, I've been talking with the guys over at True Nutrition and we are coming out with, three products that are going to be weapon x themed and by weapon x themed i mean like i actually went through and customized and formulated them myself hell yeah so um so that uh they told me it's they're all in production right now so i can't say just yet but um first of of many nice they're, they're giving me a little a little bit of free reign to give some ideas which is really cool that's cool. I love that. I'll keep my eyes peeled for that. I'm sure everybody else will too. Um, what about what like contacting you, following you? Of course, there's the Instagram. Is there anywhere else that people should uh, go to for like your coaching or anything? Um, so obviously, uh, Instagram is my most active platform. So that would be the best place. That would be one of the best places to reach me. Um, so that's at WeaponX underscore IFBB Pro. Um, obviously, um, well, I'm, I'm on Facebook as well, which is just my name, uh, Derek Romar Oslin. Um, I'm getting my YouTube back up. Nice. So, but, um, I still got to produce a little bit more content before I feel comfortable really promoting that. Um, I, I'm, I just started my own little, my own little podcast as well, which I put up on SoundCloud. I have a few episodes out. Um, I'm calling it the, I've called it the weapon excellence podcast you'll be a great host too man because you you've got it you got the energy you got the personality and all that yeah 
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So um, I, I have pre-recorded a bunch of episodes. Um, so I'm going to be putting them out slowly, probably one or two a week. Uh, what else? Oh, and then my website, uh, wxathletics.com. If you want to go and look and see um, what the brand is all about, what I do um, from a coaching standpoint, clients, testimonials, uh, daily blog, articles that I've written, so on and so forth. Nice. Oh, and I wrote a book. You're kidding. I, I, yeah, I was trying to compete with Scott. <laughs> What's your book? Um, I, it worked. Actually, um, I think I have, might have a copy lying around somewhere. Um, oh, uh, Anastasia's here. Hi, I love you. Um, <laughs> would you mind grabbing uh, my book that's in the other room so I can just flash it really quick? Even though she, I, I'm disturbing her meal right now. She's very upset with me. But um, I called it Muscle Building Decoded. Basically, um, I, it, it is about exactly what, it, what the title says. It's the basics, what I felt are the basic and foundational concepts and ideas of building muscle. Um, I actually, one of, my, one of my references is actually Dr. Scott's book among like, I have like 10 or 11 other references. It's 100 pages long, um, roughly. And basically, I wrote it from the perspective of if I was a young guy, you know, if I was re-beginning my bodybuilding career, yeah. Thank you. Um, here's the book. Nice. Wait a little bit to the so, little bit to the other side. We didn't quite see it. Oh, go right the there. other direct. There we go. Okay. Cool. Okay, so I hope you guys got a good view of it. Um, so basically, I was just like, okay, if I was a young guy, just starting out, again, what of all the things that I know now. What do I wish I knew back then to implement that would have propelled me forward even more and even faster hmm. um, had I been privy to this knowledge? And um, how would I want it? How would I have wanted it delivered to me? So yeah. I, that's how I wrote the book from that from that perspective. So it is nowhere near as dense and in-depth as Dr. Scott's Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach book, which I have read twice now. And if you don't have that book, and you're into bodybuilding, you're a complete idiot. Um, <laughs> just saying. So best, best best book I've ever read. Even though I just I just flashed my book on camera, if there was one book that you could get and never buy anything else, and never buy anything else, it is Dr. Scott's Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach book. That thing is incredible. Um, Expect your spaghetti yeah, so, tomorrow, Derek. Thanks for that. <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> um but yeah so i wrote that last year so yeah that's everything i don't think there's anything else obviously shout out to true oh to the other side true nutrition for um taking a chance with me making me their featured athlete and um really showing some immense faith and support and really helping me through this season to try and get to the uh the 2021 olympia like i've never I've never had, I've, I've had a few sponsorships and none of them have ever invested in me in the way that True Nutrition has and shown that they actually like give a crap about me as not just as an athlete of their brand, but as a human being. That's they actually cool. want to see me succeed just because they want to see me succeed. Obviously, as a side note, they benefit from that. But still, I feel like that their primary focus is we just want to see you do well. That's cool, and, man. Yeah. So it's really awesome. Yeah, that is. Well, we appreciate your time code over there. You what? Eric. Discount code What's for that? Eric. At discount code. Oh, yeah, yeah. What? 
Weapon X is the discount code. So if you, you know what, the best scenario here, you here's what you do. So you have four products, right? You have your powdered muscle, you have your yeah. true EAA plus, you have your J flex, for example, and you have your true pre-workout. So you take two of the products and you order them and you use advices <laughs> to support the podcast. Hey, and then you use my code weapon X for the other two products. And then you support me. Everybody wins. You do. I'll, how about how about this? If you guys are watching this show and you are going to buy something with True Nutrition, which I always suggest you do, use use Derek's code. He's listen. He's an IFBB pro. He's got this cool connection. We need to we need to keep that happening. So support him. I mean, right. support us. But this time for sure, support him, please. How's that? Sound? Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yes, that's awesome. That's Dude, awesome. So I'm going to put links to all your stuff, too, in the show notes. So nobody has to write okay. this down. Just look down, guys, in the uh, description uh, on YouTube or whatever. Scroll. Yeah, just scroll. Scroll. And, of course, hit the like button. Hit the like button. Leave us a comment. Uh, subscribe. And, uh, you know, stay tuned for more. Man, this has been a lot of fun. I don't even need an air horn now. We got you. That's good. You like that? I've been practicing. Yeah. Right. Can you can you beatbox, brother? Can you like can you do that shit too? Don't I'm you put him on the spot now. now? I can't do it. <laughs> I'll do my Yoda. Right, you know, you, you, <laughs> oh no, I can do a better Yoda impression than I can beatbox. All right, let's hear the Yoda. I want to hear both of your Yodas. Let's Beatboxing, I'm not going to do. <laughs> mm, impression good that was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I'm Scott McNally here with Derek Oslin, Scott Stevenson. Thanks for watching. We'll see you soon. <laughs> see you guys.